Hello, folks. We are back with another crossover episode of Locked on Canadians. We're going to be talking current Habs prospects, drafting for need versus drafting best player available, and so much more coming up in today's show. For Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 648 of Locked on Canadians, where you can find us every single day on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saban. Laura, it's part two of our crossover series, and how excited are you for today's episode? I'm really, really excited. So we did have to miss an episode this week, which we're very, very sorry about. We had some personal emergencies come up, Uh, but we made up for it because we have one of our, if not the most requested guests from our listeners. Um, And I'm so excited because we had a great episode yesterday. And today we're going to talk about the current HAB situation, because I know we keep looking towards the future, but let's look at the depth, the, the prospect depth now. Yes, and we are once again joined by David St. Louis at David ST underscore Louis on Twitter from EP Ringside Elite Prospects. Get their draft guide available now if you want to know about all the people that your team is going to pick. And then you can be impressive in front of all of your friends when you recite exactly what they said in the guide to them like I do at work. Everyone thinks I'm a genius and I'm really not. I just take what they say and repeat it. David, thank you again for joining us, and let's just jump right into it. We talked about future potential Habs prospects in the last episode. Today, we want to take a look, and we want to ask your opinion on what do you think of the actual current Habs prospect? Well, we talked to Byron Bader a couple of weeks ago, and there's depth there, but it lacks true superstar talent a little bit in places, which makes sense given their draft spot. But if you're looking at the Canadian's prospect pool right now including the AHL guys the few that there are is who sticks out to you who do you kind of have earmarked as being like the next one to make that jump to the professional level yeah I think most uh, prospect pools kind of lack that superstar talent especially at this time of the year before the draft so I, it's pretty normal to me I really like Caden Gouley we had him rank really high in our September prospect pool rankings. He is one of the better defensemen outside the NHL in terms of prospects right now. He His offensive game took a step forward, I think, this season. Not a giant step forward. He still projects more as a puck mover and defensive defenseman in a way. But when you're so good at shutting down the position, you also create offense because you break plays early and then your team can pick up the puck and run to the offensive zone. So that's really valuable too. And he's just as physical as he ever was. He's just as good of a skater. So when you're hyper mobile and that physical, you're really scary to the opposition. So this is really nice from Caden Gouley. And he's one of my favorite prospects too. And even if he doesn't have that superstar, future superstar tag, he's he could be a star just from his defensive game and his shutdown ability. Like He's going to be known around the league in a few years, I'm sure. Yeah. We... Laura and I, uh, we've both done this. We've done the apology tour several times this year. Caden Gooley has impressed us a lot. And I know that Edmonton didn't make the Memorial Cup final. And, you know, it's it's hard to do that because, you know, 
how many teams make it? St. John just won, by the way, in the background. So Jan Meshack and Arbor Jacki are not Memorial Cup champions. And that actually kind of brings me to someone I wanted to get your opinion on because he's such an intriguing prospect in that he's an overager. He's made a ton of you know strides in what his game is. But you see some of the things that kind of led to why he was available to be signed as a free agent. What what is your thought on Arbor Jacki as a prospect overall? He's going professional next year, and I feel like physically he's ready for it. I just don't know about the rest of his game overall right now. Yeah, his game is pretty much just violence and nothing <laughs> much else. Yeah, <laughs> he he's he's so violent that maybe he could make the NHL in a replacement role at some time at some point. It's really impressive what he has done. Yet still, like he. He was not a prospect for a few years, and then he really pushed himself. And I think his game changed a lot. Now he's not just physical, but he has the defensive game to an extent too. It's just his puck play. Uh, he flashes some cool stuff at, at times, but I'm not sure it's going to be developed enough for him to become a puck mover and an offensive generator in the NHL if he makes it. Like it's really going to be step by step for him, and he's going to need a lot of development to to get there uh, on the puck side of things. Uh, but his skating, which is pretty good, and his physical side, there's still an initial upside right there. But he's not like high, highly ranked in my mind in the Habs prospect pool. Yeah, but he's violent though. I, I, yeah, I he's have... fun. He's fun. That's always fun. <laughs> That's the thing he... is that like he's so fun to watch, right? But then when you look at the game, it translates. Maybe you know, 15 years ago, he would have made the NHL with that violent yes. game, but not anymore. Yeah, it, it's. Uh... It, it reminds me of – he's chaos, like, on ice. Like, we've talked about, like, players who can be, like, dynamic. And at the opposite end, but not necessarily as a bad thing, like, he feels chaotic in that he's – when he's out there and he's on a mission, like, he's going to finish that one way or the other. And I'm curious if he can keep that kind of level-headed a little bit going into uh, the NHL here. We talked about it with Michael Pozzetta a lot who this year, despite, you know, sometimes crossing that line, he was able to be a regular shifted NHL player, which is a wild statement considering you tracked his OHL career. I watched him in the AHL. At no point did we think he was going to be an NHL player. And sometimes it just takes a kick in the pants and they kind of figured out. And I think Jack, I will figure that out at the professional level, or it will be taught to him because veterans don't take nothing from you know rookie players there and before we kind of move on into our next segment i want to ask are there is there anyone in the forward pool that kind of sticks out i love sean farrell overall i know that he made the olympic team and he scored a hat trick against china which we talked about Yaroslavkovsky dominating kazakhstan it's kind of the same thing but he's really impressed me and the value the canadians gotten him uh remains absolutely incredible in that draft class not to mention joshua Wan, like riley kidney you know guys that might have slid under the radar a little bit and had big years in the past year or so. Yeah, I uh, really liked him. We had him ranked super high on our our board in his draft year at, at like 40, I think. And he went in the fifth round. I don't really remember. But yeah, we had him ranked quite high because he had pretty much everything. He was, except maybe for, for a shot, but then he developed that in other years. Uh, he was a great playmaker, so he was really good at attracting pressure and making plays through defenders to teammates. He played with uh, 
forgot every name tonight, but the kid was drafted by Vegas, who was a really great shooter at, at the time, and he just kept fighting him in, in the slot. Uh, Brisson, yeah, <laughs> that's it. And he was really the setup man on their line, and it was the reason partly why Brisson scored so much, so many goals. And now in year two and year three, he uh, he developed a really a scoring game. His shot got much better in terms of mechanics, and he decided to use it more. It's not really a scoring threat. So when you're both a scoring threat and a passing threat, you can leverage one to create other plays. So it's uh, his game has just kept expanding, and his skating is a bit better. He's not the most speedy or explosive, but he's really agile. So he has that going on for him. Still needs to add the physical skills and become even better inside player. So work at the net and all of this. But uh, he wants to improve. He has shown that he can improve, and he still has time ahead of him to really become this middle six four. I think the top line is a bit like optimistic for him, but he has a second line upside. I think he's my best forward prospect for the Habs at this moment. And we we do have more relating to the current Habs prospect. Well, I'm going to hand the reins over to my co-host who came up with this idea. And I feel bad. I have talked a lot in the last two episodes. So if you're sick of hearing my voice, I have good news for you. We're going to dive into all of that with David coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. And they are your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From Major League Baseball to upcoming drafts to boxing, MMA, golf, Anything you need, betonline.net has you covered for scores, podcasts, and news throughout the seasons. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And as I mentioned in the last show, thank you as always for making Lockdown Canadians your first listen every day. And with the draft a week away, less than a week away when you were listening to this on Friday, our local hosts and our draft experts are going to be breaking everything down through the NHL draft. So please check us out after the um, our team's first overall pick, which should be Shane Wright. We're going to break that down for you. And subscribe to Lockdown Canadians on YouTube and Lockdown NHL so you're up to date throughout the NHL draft. I'm going to turn the floor over to my wonderful co-host, The Active Stick. And Laura, you had a really great idea on how to continue you know, breaking down the draft and the current Habs prospect pool. The floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I don't mind if you talk a lot on the prospect episodes. That's definitely your baby. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot less knowledgeable than you. But one of the things that I wanted to talk to David about, because he's somebody that whose analysis we rely on a lot to inform the way that we, you know, the way we look at prospects. And I know we're not the only ones, given how many people are going to be excited for this episode. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is looking at the Canadians right now, they seem to be a team that they like we would describe their needs as everything we talked in the previous segment about how there's no superstar really on this pool but there's not really on any other team's draft uh, prospect depth because you know at this point if there's a superstar he's already playing right he's already made the team um my question is when you're a team like the canadians and you've got a couple of years before you're a good team um what kind of like drafting philosophy let's say they asked you for your advice what kind of draft drafting philosophy would you do because I, there's always a debate about taking the best player available versus trying to draft on need and right now the canadians they need everything so like in my mind i'm like it should look neat you know they should get a number of defensemen a number of, of centers a number of wingers and and some goalies and it's always like the goalies are at the very end right they have their kind of throw-ins so like what would you do if you're the montreal canadians you're looking to become a colorado or a tampa at some point What's your next step? 
Yeah, yeah. Just like when you ask <laughs> at NHL scouts, uh, I'm always, they always say that they always draft for the most upside, but there's always a bit of need in that too because you can't have the same position. Uh, you can draft for the same position throughout the whole, whole draft. And the Canadians did that in two sub subsequent drafts. They had a draft for centers, I think, one year, and the other the other year was like the left shot defenseman, I think. And it's best to spread out your your picks that way in multiple positions if you can. But the number one rule is still draft for upside. And there are some really there are some players that, are, that players that are more risky in this draft that still have a lot of upside. Still, we talked about about them in the previous episode. You can go back and and listen to that. But we talked about players like Jagger Firkus and Victor Nuchev and Sam Rinzel, and those players are really really. Potentially really, really good, but they might not make the NHL. And you need some of those wild cards when you draft, especially when you have multiple picks. You can, you can, uh, you're allowed to, to pick those players, and it doesn't really matter if they don't, um, they don't pan out because you have other picks. And just like uh, I said previously to you, you can also draft for safer players that also show have some things in their game that suggest they have more upside too. So. Draft for upside, uh, spread your your positions a bit still, uh, just a little bit. Not You don't have to think about that too much. But yeah, the number one rule is still draft for the most, the highest ceiling, for sure. I have another question that's somewhat related that I, I like to ask prospect experts a lot. There are, there are a lot of play, players that are consensus, you know, top five. You like There's a raging debate right now, Slavkovsky versus Shane Wright. But you know they're the top two players in this draft, but then you find, I, especially I think in the in the later first round, sometimes like a guy will be ranked eighth on everybody else's list, and then like twentieth on. Why are there players that kind of drop like that? Like I, I like my my question is always like, shouldn't there be more of a closer? Um, I'm thinking of a guy like, let's say Brad Lambert or Matthew Savoy is another one that's, that's, you know, it's all over the place. Like, why does that happen? Is it because some people just kind of overestimate one weakness or, or overestimate a strength maybe? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, it depends on a lot of factors that sometimes we don't necessarily agree what a player is. We see two different players when we look at the same same game, and that's a problem. Like uh, all the lists should, should have about the same description of a player, about the same view of that player, but then it's a different philosophy. So if you uh, if you rank players by strict upside, you might have Brian Lambert at second overall, even at first overall. That's possible because he's the most skilled prospect in the draft by quite a margin. The, he's an elite skater. He has the hands to go with it and he, he can go through defenders super easily so he has really high-end tools and so but i don't think any public outlet really ranks only by upside usually there's a mix of certainty so how well a prospect projects to the nhl currently and upside and i think at elite prospects we tend to balance those out a bit more than other outlets who rank by more upside. So we have players that have safer games a bit higher, like Marco Casper and Kikel um, Odelius, who's a defenseman who's projected as a really as a really great shutdown game, uh, but he doesn't have really top pairing upside. But we still have him like, at like 15 overall, I think. So we balance those out a bit more, and that's why we have some divergence like this. We we don't have the same opinions as, as everyone else, but yeah, it's mostly a question of philosophy and how much you balance upside and certainty is there a certain point where risk or injury or anything like that just kind of tips the scale too much that it's like 
we know they're talented, but they can't stay healthy. They're talented, but there's this one fly. Is there a certain point at which that scale kind of tips that it just doesn't outweigh the other as much as they have the high projection that it just becomes too much to ignore that like, Hey, this is a glaring thing that it's, we're not saying don't draft them, but maybe not as, you know, high as you might think. Yeah. When a player has a story of injury, I don't think public lists weigh that in too much. It's more NHL teams who are more scared about this and it's pretty normal because they have to actually pick players and we don't. So we can uh, cheat a bit and still put them high. But if we think about the debates, the debate between um, uh, <laughs> Simon Nemitz and Juracek, I wrote so much about Juracek recently and now I forget his name, but Juracek was injured for, for a large part of the season. So if you see those two players as equal, uh, I think the the last argument could be, well, your check was injured, so why not take, take the player who doesn't have a history of injury in Nemeth? So I think it's a kind of a tiebreaker for some players, unless they really, really have a history of injury. It's the same body part that keeps getting injured, then it just adds to the risk. So you weight that in, uh, in you add more uncertainty to their projection and it kind of brings them down in the formula so uh, yeah you have to factor that in but it's not a main concern a main factor for us and we do have david for one more segment after this we're going to wrap it up and i have some questions about the canadians current crop of prospects balancing off of what laura said here as well and that's all coming up next but first, it's been a while, and we're here to talk to you about Built Bar again, and they have a brand new flavor, Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. Folks, you're not going to want to miss out on this. It Have you finished drooling? Like, it's Coconut Brownie Chunk. It sounds amazing, and it's got chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cow cloud of coconut brownie goodness. It's everything you want in a protein bar, high in protein, low in carbs, low in sugar, everything your body needs and they taste amazing and they are guilt-free because they are good for you. Whether you're taking them on the morning to work like I do after a hike, you just need that pick me up during the middle of the day, during your work day, you need that extra boost of energy. They have you covered and that's delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing and get to built.com and order your box of coconut brownie chunk puffs right now. And when you go to built.com, use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15. We are back. Uh, unfortunately, this will be our last segment with David uh, for the week as we go into NHL Draft Week, and it's going to make a great Friday for y'all. Um, as always, please go check out Elite Prospects Draft Guide. David and the rest of the group there did an incredible job on that. They just dropped the new one that has more game reports and everything in it, so there is so much information. Um it's over 900 pages. It's a novel and a half. It is the best thing you'll read all year. Trust me on this. I want to I wanna kind of take off of what Laura said about drafting for or how you analyze a draft, balancing best player available, drafting for need, and how to marry all that. Because the Montreal Canadiens are that team right now that they walk into the draft and they put up that thing on TSN or Sportsnet and it says, team needs. And then it just says everything. <laughs> Looking at the current Habs prospect pool, we know that Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris and Justin Barron and Matthias Norlinder, Arbor Jacki are all these young players joining the professional NHL ranks here in the next little bit. 
but they don't really have a lot on defense behind that in the leagues beyond that. You know, there's Logan Mayu in the OHL. You have William Trudeau in the WHL. And you have, I almost forgot Jaden Struble, and I'm very sorry about that, in the NCAA, and that's it. But at the same time, you know, they're lacking those big high-end forwards. We talked a little bit about Sean Farrell at the start of the show. If you're looking at the Canadians' current prospect pool, not counting people who are going, who are in the professional ranks and going to be in the professional ranks this season, so Yessi Alona and Rafael Harvey-Pinard, those guys are out of this pool. We're stalking strictly non-professional leagues. If you're the Montreal Canadiens, besides Shane Wright, what are you looking for in this draft? Do you go defense or do you just try and hit home runs and go for forwards and wingers and stuff? I think it all comes down to highest upside, regardless of position still. You just want players that are going to play in your pretty empty team <laughs> this year in the one, next one. So, uh, I mean, they won't be ready for, for these, these time frame, but they're... It's hard to predict the future for a Canadian because they're in rebuild mode. So it's even unclear even more uh, because they're going to sell pieces for the next two years still. So we'll see what, what they really need for, for the moment. It's just best for them to pick as much uh, as they can. Just the best players available, uh, the highest upside maybe, because they can, they can give the time to those players to really develop too. So they have time on their side. Uh, if the fan base is patient enough and they need to be for a proper rebuild, for sure. So just pick the best player available. And if they really want to re replenish their defense, there's a bunch of players in the even second, third round that are still going to be there that have pretty good upside, like Noah Warren. Elaine uh, Hudson is going to probably be available at pick 66 if you were for lucky. So that's a pretty high upside bet. So there are going to be players all over the draft that have pretty high upside that are going to fill this defensive need and same for the wingers still. That's the thing that's like whenever we look at the prospects right now, we think, all right, there's some guys with a lot of potential here, right? I know, I, I think you might might have not ranked um, Justin Barron all that high. I remember a conversation and I think you were, uh, so I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But like when I look at the prospect depth right now, like the Canadians have like depth for two to seven positions, right? Like I don't see anybody that even if they work on them can be that number one center that all winning teams have, right? Like I don't, I don't see one right now. It's not to say that none of these could ever develop, right? Everybody keeps arguing with me when I say Caden Gooley. Well, like Caden Gooley is at least a number two, but I don't know that he has that offensive talent to become that number one. Do you see anybody in the draft where like, yes, it might be a risk, right? Like, yes, it's a high risk, but could attain that potential where you're like, this guy could play number one alongside Kate and Gooley in like five years. <laughs> you mean a bit later in the draft, like a, a hidden yeah. pick? Or, um... Yeah, like like a home run, like, sorry, like a swing for the fences, not a home run, like a swing for the fences. But you know what? If everything works out, he has the upside to like keep up with Kate and Gooley. Uh, there's a player who doesn't didn't score a lot in the OHL, who I think is really really high upside. First line center is a really optimistic considering <laughs> is also right now, but it, it could be possible. Like the the one percent chance, it's Hunter Hunter Height, who scored like forty points in the OHL. Uh, you should remember that name because I think he's going to explode next year. Like probably double this this production. He has really amazing flashes in terms of playmaking, and we really value that, the ability to see plays out of time, move defenders out of the way of those plays and create them. He he, he was one of the better in the draft at it. So he didn't score a lot. But again, we talked in the previous 
episode about environment and how it shapes the production and shapes the whole season um, in terms of supporting cast and shooting Locke. It wasn't all that much there for him. So he has a lot of side and he's probably going to be available in the third round. And I would take him ahead of, we have, we have him at 34, I think right now. So that's really, really high. Again, wow. we, we can do things like this because we don't necessarily pick the squares, but I, I really believe in him. And if it was me, I, I would do it even at 33. So oh, wow. I really believe in him. I'm actually That's looking amazing. at his their team page right now. And Brant Clark, who is an incredible player, was just over a point per game in Barry this year, which uh, we talked about in the last episode is that context matters when you're looking at prospects on things like that. And I'm glad you mentioned the rebuild and the Canadians having to be patient with some of these guys for the next couple of years, because the hallmark of like the Mark Bergevin era Canadians is, Hey, we've got this guy who's doing really well. Okay. We're going to push him into the NHL, whether he was ready or not. And we saw it with the Asperi Kotkaniemi. And the reason he likely made the Canadians because Max Domi got suspended for sucker punching uh, Aaron Ekblad in the preseason. This team needs to be patient and nurture these guys into the role that they're meant to be in. They could hit a home run on every pick, but if you rush them through and they're they're thrown into the deep end before they can swim, it doesn't matter. You could have had the consensus best draft if you don't develop them and give them time properly. And I'm really glad that you had mentioned that. And they can be patient. They know this team's not going to be very good next year. And then they can start going from there and try to make that jump with some of these guys because their AHL team and a lot of their prospects they picked before Bergevin and Timmons and everyone were fired are starting to come to roost here when they were doing better with their picks and picking skill guys, not big dudes who can hit and fight and stuff like that like they did in the early days. These prospects are coming to roost and I'm I'm very excited to see what the future of the Canadians kind of prospect pool looks like here. Um Laura, do you have any parting thoughts or questions before we go? Yeah, I because I, I wanted to talk about Justin Barron because everybody's so high on him except you. But then you explained your case and I still didn't, didn't understand. Why were you not as high on Justin Barron as apparently everybody else in the world is? I'm excited about him. He looks good, but, you know, he was injured. So I didn't, we didn't get to see a lot. Yeah, we ranked him really low in his draft here, but... As an outlet, we also change like from year to year. Our ranking in 2020 doesn't really represent how we view prospects right now. I think we had them at like 68 or something like this, but we were more focused on upside. So if I were to redo this ranking today, it would probably be much higher because I value tools and uh, a player that's going to have an easier path to the NHL a bit more. But still, I I'm not as optimistic about him as some others, but it doesn't mean that I think he's a bad player. In my mind, he's maybe a number four. Uh, that's probably much his upside. I think he's my, my issue with Baron is that I think if he keeps up the offense the way it is right now, he is going to become an, an inefficient player in the NHL because he's going to create as many turnovers as he does plays. I think to really survive and to solidify his game, he's going to have to give up some of his offense to really become more of a shutdown presence. And it's not the case for every offensive defenseman because. I have some, I don't rank or rate Baron's hockey sense as high as some other players. I think it's closer to NHL average. So if you want to become a really high event offensive defenseman with average hockey sense, so you misplace sometimes or you don't manage to really create planes all the time, you tend to force a lot of plays. And we saw that in the first NHL, first few NHL games of Baron. Of course, he's going to get better at this, but to become a more efficient uh, defenseman, uh, someone who 
has a better impact on Corsi metrics, on possession metrics. He's going to, have, I think he's going to fall back on more of a shutdown game with puck moving ability and flashes of offense. Like he could still score 30 points, 25, 30 points, even maybe 40. Uh, but yeah, I think his calling card is going to be his physical, engaging defense in a few years because he's going to change his game to really solidify his role in the lineup. So I don't see him as the stop pairing guy. I think Caden Gouley will surpass him pretty easily, even if he doesn't have the same offensive upside. And maybe Caden Gouley is going to generate more points even because he is so solid on defense that he earns the minutes, the opportunities. So it's like the team uh, of this podcast. He is going to earn the opportunities to really become offensive and build on his offensive game. And I think Baron in a rebuilding team, is going to be able to make mistakes and create play still, but at some point his play style is going to have to become more efficient if he wants to maintain a role. So that's pretty much my view of him. I like his tools, his skating, handling, his shooting, all of that, but I have some doubts about, I don't see him as having a high, high hockey sense. And that is going to bring an end to our two-part crossover. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find him on Twitter at David, S-T underscore Louis. Uh, EP Ringside, Elite Prospects. You can find all of his work there in the current draft guide. The NHL draft is next week. And make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Canadians on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Myself at Scott Matla. We have another fantastic guest lined up for you next week, and then we are going to launch right into all of our draft stuff. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you're subscribed and following us for everything, and we will see you all next time.